You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, I want to share a message with you of which the Lord has already set the stage for because we've been singing about it. Uh, different leaders have spoken into it already. Um, I want to share a message with you entitled The Beautiful Exchange. There is an exchange that happens and that's present in the gospel, which is the Lord's glory for our lives. That We surrender our lives and he gives us this beautiful kingdom where we get, we get to look upon him and he gives us obviously the, the, the fruit of the spirit and a life and a friendship with him and an eternity with him. It is the beautiful exchange. And before we come to the cross, before we, we lay ourselves before the cross, it seems absurd. Why would we give up our lives? Why would we give up everything that we've come to know and everything, everything that we've come to value? And why would we lay it down before this, this king who, who, who hung himself on a, on a tree willingly? And then, and then we bring ourselves to that place and we surrender everything before him at the cross and an exchange happens in which he gives us the world. He gives us eternity. He gives us his glory in exchange for our little old lives. And then it seems like silliness. It seems ridiculous that we even questioned it for a moment, that we thought twice about it. Because our lives seem so little in light of his beauty and in light of his glory. So I want to share a message with you about that. And, um, and there, there's multiple applications to this. I do believe there's an application to us as a church family. As we are into a new year and a new chapter, uh, which that new year marks, I believe that the Lord is calling us into a deeper level of surrender and submission. But that takes all of us as individuals saying yes to Jesus in a new way. I shared a message with you a couple weeks ago about how we're in this together. When we say yes to Jesus, we also say yes to his body. It's a two-for-one package. And so your yes, I do believe, uh, has, a, has a ripple effect in the kingdom of God. And it impacts the collective of God's body, of God's kingdom. So we talked about that analogy of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 a couple weeks ago. I want to kind of lean into that a little bit more. And... Um, and look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you know that? Do you know that God, you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So we're talking about sacred things this morning. We're talking about something very holy, something not to be toyed around with or, or played, played around with. We're talking about God's temple. But I want to clarify, because there is a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which is it's definitely like refrigerator-type material, the type of material you have hanging on your wall, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And we often speak about that in the context of like stewarding our bodies, stewarding our physical health, like our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But this passage specifically is not referring to our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, do do you not know that you all, you together are God's temple? For the Southern folk, it's it's y'all. For the Canadians here, it's yous. Do you not know that yous are God's temple? My my wife uh, has an aunt and she'll write us from time to time. And if Aunt Sharon's watching right now, we love you, Aunt Sharon. Uh, You're amazing. But she she writes to us and and she says, love yous from Canada. So that's the way the Canadians say it, yous. Or for us us Midwesterners, do, do you not know that you guys are God's temple? Yeah, sure, you guys are God's temples and that God's spirit dwells in you. The point is there's something missing in translation there as you move it from the Greek into the English. And, it, and we read it in, in the singular, but in reality, he's, he's speaking in the plural. He's saying, you all are God's temple. There is, there is a sacred uh, collective sense of God's glory that's experienced in community. And so again, we're in it together. God's spirit, yes, dwells in you personally when you receive Christ as Savior. Spirit comes to live inside of you. But at the same time, you are ushered into and grafted into, interconnected in with a grander body of believers, a remnant of people who have surrendered to Jesus. And in that, you all host an even greater level of the glory, the beauty of the Spirit of God. And this is a holy thing. The context here that Paul is speaking out of is the context of division and and, um, factions within the Corinthian church. I mean, the Corinthian church was so dysfunctional that they they were suing one another. I mean, there were lawsuits happening. And so there was a lot of dysfunction. And he's speaking specifically in that context of community and the the collective of God's people. Please step back and understand that this is a sacred gathering. What we step into and we gather, not just on Sunday mornings, but in all our different contexts, is something sacred. It's even what I said earlier about God has something special for you. It's true when God's people gather, that that one gathering is unique in in and of itself. So in that sense, it's holy. It's truly set apart. Never again will this exact gathering of people happen ever again. This unique combination of God's people, it'll never happen again. It's holy. Jesus, verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So that is the way of the kingdom. That's the upside down way of the kingdom. If you want to become wise... Recognize that you're a fool. Finally come to the end of yourself. Bring yourself before the cross and acknowledge your foolishness. In all of your wisdom, in all of your intellect, in every, every Wikipedia article you've, you've read, for every degree that you've garnered unto yourself, it's all foolishness before the king of kings, before the wise one, before the sovereign one. So let no one deceive himself. Don't be self-deceived. 
Verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile, that they come to nothing. The thoughts of the wise, like the ponderings of, of, of the eloquent and the, and the intellectual, they come to nothing. They're futile. He catches the wise in their craftiness. It's like sometimes we think we're really smart. We, we're th- we think we're something. My, my kids, uh, we try to keep them busy by doing chores around the household and all contributing in the household. And one of my kids, I caught them in their craftiness a couple weeks ago. Their, their chore was to empty the dishwasher and then to fill it. But I, w- I went to the silverware drawer. I opened up the silverware drawer and all the dishes, all the silverware were just like piled in there. There wasn't the spoons and the forks and the knives. It was just a pile of silver. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait. I understand you're taking me very literally. You're just emptying the dishwasher, but there, there's more to it. We, we so often think we're, we're so crafty. Like we're going to pull a fast one on God. Like somehow maybe we, we, we found a shortcut. But he catches us in our craftiness. The Lord knows the thoughts of what we call wisdom, and and it's all futile. It comes to nothing. So let no one boast in men. In the things that the world boasts about, and the things that your flesh wants to boast about, don't allow yourself to boast in those things, to find your value in those things. For all things are yours. This This is the beautiful exchange, it's right here. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, he had just talked about how different factions in the church, some had been following um, the ways of Apollos. Some said, hey, we're followers of of Paul. These people over here, they're followers of, of Peter or Cephas. But they're all part of the body. They're all part of this beautiful temple. And they're all yours. They're all servants of this kingdom or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours. See, the Lord gives us the world. He gives us the kingdom. But here's the exchange. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. Yes, all those things are now ours in this beautiful temple, in this beautiful kingdom, you know, pick your analogy, in this beautiful body. But we are Christ's. And that is the, that's the, the starting place, but that is also the sustaining place in this kingdom, is this life unto Christ, this life submitted fully to Christ. So the Lord's intention for his people is to come and be with his people to come and dwell amongst the people. That's why Paul here in in this letter uses this analogy of us being the temple. Because anything we read about the temple in the Old Testament paints a picture of where the Lord is taking us, both in this age and the age to come. His intention for humanity is to come and dwell with his people, was never to dwell in a building. And so just because there was a temple built doesn't mean God's glory always dwelt there in the same, in the, to the same level, 
to the same measure. No, the, the glory of God was seen and realized and experienced to the level of submission and devotion and surrender experienced amongst the people of God. And so it is now, even in this, in this age, in this New Testament age. So the true church, the true gathering of God's people, of these true submitted ones, surrendered ones, um, yielded ones before the Lord, they're marked by God's glory, by his presence. They're, they're, they're marked by him actually coming and dwelling in their midst. So don't be deceived. Do not be fooled. Every church that calls itself a church is not necessarily the church. Every believer that calls himself a believer is not necessarily a believer. Don't be fooled by names. Because, because just, uh, just like in the Old Testament, just because there was a temple doesn't mean the glory of God actually dwelt there. I'm going to show you an example of that. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 10, you can turn there. Like right smack dab in the center of your Bible. The path forward for us is a group of people fully submitted to King Jesus. We're submitted to him. We are Christ. We are his. Surrendered to him. Fully trusting him. This is something the Lord has been pulling out of me over the last six months. You know, I, I moved into a, a sabbatical season this summer that was very difficult for me to, uh, to yield to the Lord and trust him with. Um, part of why I believe the Lord was calling me to that season of stepping away for eight weeks is for me to finally surrender this need to be needed. Surrender this, the value that I have begun to garner through, through my position or how I lead in the kingdom. And it's God's grace and it's his mercy that he called me out into the, uh, you know, out into these green pastures just to feed on him and be refilled by him and him alone. Um, and so it was difficult leading into my sabbatical. And then everything uh, took a turn when I was pulled out of a lake, uh, you know, unconscious. I had this, this brush with death, this brush with eternity. Uh, an accident uh, out of the blue landed me getting pulled out of a lake unconscious my first weekend away in my sabbatical. Uh, but there was an exchange that took place in the water and it was just another dimension or another expression of what needed to take place a couple months prior when I finally surrendered to the Lord and said, I'll, do, I'll take a sabbatical. Okay, Lord, I'll, I'll surrender like my ego and my, my title. I'll surrender like my, my value in what I do, and I'll trust you with this season, that you have green pastures that you want to feed me with and sustain me with. And I did that, but there on the waters, it was, it was real. I actually literally had a fear of drowning. I had a fear of water. Uh, but there I found myself in this murky lake, tangled up in weeds, uh, but I surrendered myself to the Lord, honest, honest to God, honest before the Lord, 100% genuineness, I, my, I surrendered my life to the Lord. The number 35 flashed through my, my mind because that's how old I was at the time. I surrendered my life up to Jesus. And all the panic, all of the, the fear was exchanged with a peace that surpasses understanding. And honest to God, I sank to the bottom of a lake in perfect peace. 
sink all the way to the bottom of the lake. You know, the rest is just a miracle story of how, how God rescued me. But I do believe that's a vivid picture of the exchange that takes place as we say yes continually to Jesus. It's our surrendering of ourselves that he has better control of our lives than we do. That our, our lives are better in his hands. It's this, it's this question, Drew, do you really trust me? Sometimes I wonder if I had gotten comfortable in the predictable and gotten comfortable in having control over, over my own life. You know, I, I moved here to Iowa from Seattle 11 years ago. I left my career in nuclear engineering. Me and my wife, when, while we were out there, we prayed a prayer. It was this prayer of 100% surrender. It was, Lord, we'll go wherever you want us to go. And we had no idea where he would take us, if it'd be missions or, or youth work or, or church work or, or campus ministry. And he ended up taking us here and, and uh, we didn't know anybody in Iowa. So it was this life of like in this prayer of 100% surrender. But just because you've prayed that prayer once, or just because you've taken a bold risk with the Lord and he's led you forward out into these unknown territories once, doesn't mean he'll never ask you to do it again doesn't mean all of a sudden you've arrived and now you can flip it into neutral and you can just float through life. It coasts coast through life on neutral. No, it is a continual life of surrender. And that's where the Lord has had me these last six to eight months. It's, Lord, it's, Lord, it's Drew, there, there's more. There's more of my, my glory that I want to pour out upon your life. But the exchange is your life. Are you willing, are you willing to give me your life? Lay down your life once again. So what does that have to do with Ezekiel chapter 10, or chapter 10 and 11, really? So Ezekiel uh, chapter 10, we have the temple of God. So this beautiful, this is the first temple, it's, it's beautiful, the, the temple that Solomon built. I mean, one of the wonders of the, of the ancient world. But idolatry had fallen into the land, um, rebellion had fallen into the land, in Ezekiel chapter 10, the glory of God actually leaves the temple. So what is the temple of God if the glory of God is not there? It's just a building, right? It's just stones, precious stones and jewels and shiny stuff. Stuff that in light of eternity is pretty meaningless. Am I right? That's what happens in Ezekiel chapter 10. But does that mean the glory of God was nowhere to be seen? Does that mean, the, 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 when I say the glory of God, like the beauty of his presence, the beauty of his spirit at work amongst the people, like when you're around a cer certain people, like you know God is real, that he's beautiful, that he's loving and merciful and gracious, all those things are encapsulated in the idea of the glory of God, the weighty beauty of God. Does that mean that was, it was non-existent on the earth? No. Ezekiel chapter 11, it says, therefore, uh, verse 16, therefore say, he's speaking to Ezekiel, thus says the Lord God, though I removed them from far off among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. The Lord was still res resident amongst the people. He's still dwelling with the people. He's dwelling amongst these, this remnant of people that had been scattered across the nations. So he wasn't found in the temple. 
The, the, they, had, they had failed the Lord in that, in that account, in that account. They had fallen into idolatry and all these other things. And the Lord will not be mocked. He is not going to be honored in name only. And so where did he find himself? He found himself amongst a people of whom he would be their refuge and their fortress, this remnant of people that were scattered across the nations. In verse 17, therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. So again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the world. I'm gonna give you your inheritance. I'm gonna give you what you are promised. And when they come there, they will remove from it all of its detestable things and all of its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit and I will put within them, or that I will put within them, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and that they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. It's the beautiful exchange. I'm gonna ask uh, Pastor Tony to come forward to the keys. The Lord will not be mocked by being honored in name only. And he wasn't gonna be mocked by, by having this temple, but then it being filled with all sorts of abominations and idolatry. So instead, in line with his destiny for all of humanity, he found himself amongst a remnant of people. And so it has been throughout the ages, as you fast forward into the, new, into the new covenant, the work of Jesus on the cross through his death and through his resurrection, through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, his purpose is to dwell amongst the people. Our eyes often go towards organizations and towards buildings, towards denominations, even towards celebrities, but the Lord will not be mocked he will find himself amongst a remnant of people fully surrendered, fully submitted, fully yielded. The outward facades and the outward symbols are meaningless without that heart posture of surrender. I remember traveling to uh, Central America for the first time uh, to the country of Guatemala and I remember how amused I was by pretty much every car you drive by, especially trucks and buses, they all had a whole slew of Mercedes symbols, logos on the front of them. It's like they just buy them from some lo local merchant. They're not Mercedes. You know, they're Zuzus or something or uh, Suzuki's or something and they throw Mercedes symbols all over them. That's kind of just like a, a collector's thing, I guess. And, they're, tr they're trying to pull a fast one on everyone. Maybe everyone will think they're driving a Mercedes then, you see with BMWs as well. It sounds silly, but we often do the same thing with the Lord. We can wear a Christian t-shirt or wear a cross necklace on us or have a certain profile look online or whatever, but our hearts are not really surrendered to the Lord. They're not really su submitted to him. He doesn't yet have all of us. And he's calling us deeper. And in fact, every time he's calling us deeper, there's a beautiful exchange there waiting for us. 
He's, he's going he's gonna to give us a peace. He's going to give us a breakthrough. He's going to give us a sense of his glory, of his presence. When we lay down our lives. So this morning, I want to give us an invitation to submit ourselves fully to the Lord. And then we're going to receive communion as well. But Maybe you've been running with your own idea and putting God's name on it. I want to invite you this morning to submit yourself to the Lord. Maybe you've been racking yourself with worry rather than responding to the Lord in full submission. Maybe you've been taking life into your own, into your own hands, trying to micromanage it all and control it all. Well, this morning, the Lord is inviting you to submit yourself, surrender yourself fully to himself. Maybe the Lord has been asking you to do something very specific and you've been avoiding it. But this morning is an opportunity for you to submit yourself to the Lord. His glory is always on the other side of surrender. His beauty is waiting on the other side of submission to him. After my whole drowning incident, or near drowning incident, I am alive. So I didn't drown, but um, I wrote this Psalm 57 verse one in my, my journal, my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. There is something waiting for you. It doesn't mean your circumstances are all of a sudden going to change or vanish, but there is a, an experience of his protection, of his power, of what I experienced out in the waters, of that peace that surpasses understanding. That's only possible when we surrender, when we sub- submit, when we, when we yield ourselves to him. I went on to write this, that there is a peace that follows surrender. There is no peace in control. There is no peace in control. When things are, you're clenching so tightly to your life and to your things, there's no peace there and there never will be found any peace in that place. There is no freedom from, pe- from fear without a loving surrender of my life to Jesus. I wanna live with that level of peace and yieldedness every day. He can be fully trusted with my life. If you'd all stand in this place, I want us to respond to the Lord. I believe the Lord is inviting us as a church into a level of his glory that we've never ever experienced. But there is like a a level of yieldedness that's required. That's not his cruelty, that's his mercy. It truly is his mercy and his grace to first invite us to surrender ourselves willingly before him. And then he pours out his spirit upon us in a fresh way, in a new way. Can we just respond to the Lord right now? The Lord wants to minister to hearts. Lord, I pray for a grace to surrender, a grace to be fully submitted to you. Whatever we've been clinging to, whether it's titles or busyness or positions, worldly wealth, our time, our kids, whatever it is we've been clinging to and racking our brains over and racking ourselves with anxiety over, we surrender it to you 
this morning. That you pour out your grace amongst us this morning to be able to lay ourselves down in a fresh way before you. Lord, would we, would we have the grace to trust you, that you truly are good, that it's actually your goodness that invites us to surrender, to yield, to submit ourselves to you. And Lord, there is this promise of your glory in this age. You said you'd give your glory to us in this, this New Testament age, this new covenant age. And that's my heart, the hunger of my heart is for your glory to be seen amongst us in our midst. Now, Lord, we would truly be called a temple where your glory dwells, where your presence resides in your mighty name, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you need to get your life right with the Lord, you need to surrender your life to Christ, never done that before, I want to invite you to do that this morning, to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a big deal. In fact, it's the biggest decision you can, you can ever make, is to finally come to the end of yourself and surrender yourself to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? make eye contact with, with me so I know who I'm speaking to. Okay. Would you come forward? Come, would you come out of your seat? Awesome. Yeah, come. Beautiful. Is, is there anybody else? Let's give this individual a huge hand. just begin to pray right now let's pray together as a church family can you just repeat after repeat after me and everybody in this place let's repeat repeat after me this prayer lord i need your forgiveness i need you king jesus as my savior and i acknowledge you as lord i acknowledge you as the one the one and only one I need. I come to the end of myself this morning. No turning back. I receive forgiveness this morning. I receive your spirit this morning. I receive a new heart this morning. stop her life for yours and your life your resurrection life 
for hers. I pray that upon her in your mighty, mighty name, King Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give the Lord a huge hand. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you mind just ministering here? Everybody else in this place, would you just surrender yourself to the Lord in a fresh way? I actually believe right now there are some very specific things the Lord is calling out in hearts. And I just don't want to rush on too quickly. We are going to receive communion together. But if you've been running with an idea and you've been trying to put the Lord's name on it, just surrender it to the Lord. Stop doing that. If the Lord this morning has pointed out a certain root to your anxiety, which is your hyper control of your life. Just surrender it to the Lord right now. He's going to meet you. Lord, meet these individuals right now as they surrender these aspects of their life. Every venture, every aspiration, every hope, you got something better. issue in the book of Ezekiel was idolatry and I, just, I feel like there's somebody in this place this morning that is afraid they, they know they're, they're infatuated with something to the, the place of idolatry but they're afraid to surrender to the Lord because they don't trust that following the Lord is, is really all that exciting it's like almost like they feel like if they surrender it to the Lord they're, they're going to be bored and I just want you to surrender it to him and trust him this morning He's better than you could imagine. He's better than you think. And he meets you when you surrender. He's worth it. He's worth it. We now consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything we used to value now looks like rubbish compared to his greatness, his beauty, how amazing he is. So Lord, I pray for that beautiful exchange to take place. That beautiful exchange. In the seat backs in front of you, you'll find a communion. You go back to your seat. You'll find communion served there. Some people don't have a seat back in front of them. If that's you um, and you need communion, you can just raise your hand. We have, we have plenty of communion in the trays up here. Sorry, I haven't given very clear instruction, but after you grab a communion, you can stand up again. Get missed right here. 
privilege it is for us to observe communion as a church family, this age-old practice that's meant to honestly um, recalibrate the church time and time again on the simplicity of the gospel, the sufficiency of the gospel. I mean, just think of all the other things that we, we fill our lives with and we fill church with. That's, that's not the cross. That's not the simplicity of just Jesus. And communion is meant to do that. It's meant to get us back to that, the purity of that one thing in him and him alone. So let's take the bread in our hands and let's, in our minds, in our hearts, turn our attention to the cross, to the substitution that Jesus made on your behalf, the exchange that took place on that cross that day, that it should have been you on that cross. And that is the beauty of the love of God. It's his life for yours. We thank you, Jesus, for your body that was whipped and beaten and bruised on our behalf. Thank you for taking our place. Thank you for really coming. Thank you for not leaving us in our rebellion. Thank you for not leaving me where I was. Thank you for choosing love. Thank you for remembering your, your covenant with your people. Thank you for being pierced for us. And Lord, we're not gonna move on from the cross. We're not gonna move on from the, the purity and the power of the cross. We can eat the bread. forgiveness of sins a clean slate a clean conscience before God it's through the blood that, that we can now be adopted into this, this bloodline being adopted into the family of God that we can be called children of God, sons and daughters of God, it's by the blood of Jesus and Lord I'm asking today that Lord you would allow us to, to be able to experience the benefits of of being the children of God by experiencing healing in bodies, for healing, 100% healing in my own body, but in every body present here this morning, I pray in this sacred assembly, in the sacred gathering of your people, as we look upon the cross and the, the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, the Lord healing power would flow through this room this morning, through bodies, through minds, Lord, chronic illnesses would be healed, chronic pain would go in the name of Jesus. Chronic migraines would go in the name of Jesus. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. 
For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.